there was something about that moment where it was, even if my health never improved, even if I ended up out on the streets, I mean, I'm not trying to minimize what people go through, but there was something that just, it felt freeing to know that there's something there, there's some divine energy there, no matter what I'm experiencing. I made it through the morning before I fell apart without warning. I took a deep breath to collect myself. I'll have a good afternoon. Hey friends, uh, good afternoon in the morning. <laughs> of course we record in the morning. Listen to Joe's voice. <laughs> but uh, as you know, you can only listen to this in the afternoon. Uh, it's our second episode, which is pretty cool. Like this is this is really up and running at this point. Uh, and we're still getting to know each other a bit. Getting to know Megan in particular, she's Joe and I have been friends for a long time, uh, but Megan is a new friend for us, so we thought it might be fun Like as we're getting this podcast going and as we're talking about the afternoon of life and all of the things that we would love to get into, we're also trying to just start things off with a couple of icebreakers uh, that I think tell us a lot about people. And this week, I thought of the question, and I want to keep it loose and light, right? Like Obviously... We don't want to go into the deepest, darkest, uh, worst possible answers to this question. Uh, I'm going deep, <laughs> but uh, I'm not. But I think I think the question I think this question is interesting. What is the best piece of advice you were ever given that you didn't take? Like that at this point in your life, you could look back and say somebody was really trying to help me there, and <laughs> I <laughs> was not interested in what they had to say. Either one of you have something you could jump off with? I Joe, have you said you're going dark. Go ahead, Megan. Uh, yeah, Megan, so, you have so since, since Joe's going deep here, I'll start off because mine is not deep at all. I really took time to reflect on this, and I was really thinking about the idea of regret and realizing that I don't carry a lot of regret because I do feel like it's all been a part of an unfolding that has brought me to where I am today. But there's this one thing that popped up, so I'm going to share it with you all. So all right. uh, years ago, like over 30 years ago, I watched a movie called Peggy Sue Got Married. Do you all know this movie? No, we are not. So this is going to be an issue because we, I realize we are not in the same generation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer and you all are millennials, right? We're we're millennial Elder statesmen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you don't want to own that title, huh? Um, so it's, it's probably appropriate, mostly, <laughs> and in some ways it's not. In some ways it it does. Yeah, mess, I think but. it actually it depends on. I've seen different like renderings of when you where you draw the line, and okay. like we're always right on the line of Gen X and and millennial. Okay, so we're close. We're on the cusp there. So there was this movie with Kathleen Turner and Nicolas Cage. And in the movie, uh, Kathleen Turner's character, she was at her high school reunion, probably like 30-year high school reunion, and she fainted. And when she woke up, she was back in her high school years, um, where she first met her husband, who she was getting a divorce from now. And anyway, so it's this whole journey of like trying to figure out what she should have done differently in her life and she talks to her grandfather and tells her grandfather what's happening and she asked him the question if there is anything that you could go back and do differently what would you do and so you know I was waiting for this really profound answer that would be life-changing and help me understand the meaning of life and his answer was I would have taken better care of my teeth <laughs> <laughs> and I watched this with my dad. You know, I watched, I was watching it with my dad, and my dad was like, yes, Megan, listen to this man. You've got to do, this is what you need to do. Like, this is my profound life, you know, advice. And so I just, I want to admit to everyone that it is 30-some years later, and I still do not floss my teeth. 
except for like <laughs> once a week at the most. Um, so, <laughs> Megan, I am I'm never floss my teeth. <laughs> Megan, I am not kidding you. I was my advice that I wish I had taken was flossing. Are you I'm serious? Not joking. <laughs> I was literally going to say. That. What does this say? Joe and I have talked at about- length about how we think dentistry is a scam and like i don't ever remember brushing my teeth growing up i do remember pounding like 24 packs of code red mountain dew but i don't remember like and i've had so many like dental surgeries the code red might also be messing with your memory a little bit (laughs) i'm so so serious that was my regret too oh that is hilarious so yes Um, we have a mutual regret you had more context for yours because i was just gonna say i guess i wish i had flossed you should have not so much that i'm gonna start now (laughs) right i I did this sorry go ahead oh no go ahead joe i did this whole thing wrong i did (laughs) the question was What's the best advice that you didn't take? Right. I misremember. I thought the I had too much code red also. <laughs> I thought the question was, what's the best advice that no one ever gave you? So that's oh, what I've got here. Okay, that well, works fine. too. I got, I got two of them. Um, one is, like, I followed my dreams too early. <laughs> I should have... You know, when we were in high school, and we all, all three of us grew up in West Virginia, but when Drew and I were in high school... Um, <laughs> Hence the teeth issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, there, there was this thing called the Promise Scholarship, and if you, like, you know, got good grades, you could go and go to any in-state school for free. But instead, I was like, I'm going to go to a private Christian school and be a preacher, and now I'm paying off these student loans. And nobody ever said, like... Yeah, like everybody said, follow your dreams, do your thing. Like nobody ever said, you know, that's going to cost you a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. So I wish somebody had said Mm -hmm. that. And And no one said, like, you know, you can be a preacher for free. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or, you know, you're not going to want to do this thing that you want to do now or whatever. You you came out of the out of Baptist like evangelicalism. (laughs) Right. You know, as an evangelical, you don't need to be educated to preach. (laughs) Like just go children if you're you listening to me go to the cheap school and get yourself a marketing degree and then follow your dreams like you don't have to do marketing anyway yeah my degree cost me 456 dollars <laughs> because of the promise scholarship. are you serious my, my marshall university degree wow. yep. that's about what my monthly student loan payments are i had to i had to take one class my uh the summer semester after the promise scholarship had um expired and credits at marshall for in-state students were like 125 dollars an hour (laughs) something so yeah yep my tuition bill at the end of a four-year degree was 456 um (laughs) and interesting that you say that joe uh that is the advice that i got from people and it is advice that I wish I hadn't. Oh, interesting. Okay. I that wish I had pursued music earlier. Well, grass um, is greener, right? Yep. I mean, that's, that is an interesting, but it is, it is true. I, I think, I think probably the, the bigger thing like is the issue of, and it's not, you know, this is very much an afternoon of life kind of thing to be saying. It's probably not so much what people told us, just how our brains are wired sure. early on, like how we process the information. Because the reality is we had these sort of fundamentalist ways of processing information. It was like, well, I should follow my dreams right now, and that's the only option. And so that's what I'm going to do no matter how much it costs. My and then I have on the really, other end. Right. Yeah, yeah, I follow my call. And then I have on the other hand, it's like, I can follow my calling later, uh, or I can like do a more practical version of pursuing that and try to meet some people and try to like whatever. And, you know, I, I always did the most frugal thing possible. Like that was my, and I could blame, I blame that on my parents. I say that's what my dad forced into me. And in reality, it's not, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's it's just the way I did it. It's what yeah. I, what I did with it. Cause I look at my parents and I'm like, in my head, I thought we were poor all our lives. Like, we couldn't buy 
name brand Golden Grams, and they would buy like one bottle of Mott's apple juice and refill it with great great value our entire childhood. Or what it was like, I don't, I don't know if that really happened, but then I'm like, but also the amount of money that you would have saved doing that, you spent on a light fixture in your second home last week. So I don't know if we were really in the same income category that I had created for us. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. my own processing of. Well, I I always you know we kind of grew up in that, um, like, Clinton economy nineties like, it was really um, like it it seems to me that the general advice to kids in our day was not like practical at all. It was like yeah you can you can be whatever you yeah. want to be and you can do. Um, and it was like, yeah, just go and do, and which is true. I think you can be whatever you want to be, but like, go to cheap school first. <laughs> <laughs> the other way this really applies to this idea of the afternoon of our lives is listening to the two of you talk about this and your very different experiences. That's what the afternoon is like. It's like, it's there isn't a one size fits all way to live. So there's very little advice in the world that applies to everyone. And what we learn to do in the afternoon of our lives is really to listen to this instead of all this um, and really do what's right for us. Yeah, totally. But on the contrary, (laughs) here's a piece of advice that I think applies to everyone. (laughs) Of course. That I never got. Why didn't anybody tell me to start stretching my hips earlier? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why did I wake up in my mid-30s like... One day I'll locked up, not able to step over a curb. And like nobody, none of my friends who were in their 40s or 50s said, hey, this is coming. You got to start stretching your hips. You should have listened to your yoga teachers. They tried to. Well, there you go. That's the problem. I started stretching. I did my first ever trip to the gym that didn't involve weightlifting like an athlete it involved physical therapy for myself like i was there for like 40 minutes just doing the things with the pvc pipes like twisting them around my yeah <laughs> like what i see I the old ladies the doing there now. all the time yeah it was so weird i mean i went to work out and i got on a bench and bench pressed like three times and thought all right well Today's not the day. I'm going to go do physical therapy with the rest of the senior citizens here yep. on a Tuesday at 10 a.m. That's what it's about. That's, yeah, good for yeah. you. That's the 30s, man. Good for me? No. <laughs> good for you that you're doing it, right? That you're out there taking no, care of yourself. Back. I'm not going back there to do that. <laughs> I'm saying I gave up the gym. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The, the that, part of my life where my bo- my physical body feels good is over. <laughs> that part's done. Those were nice days. <laughs> Those were nice days. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm <laughs> fasting right now. Uh, been fasting since like yesterday afternoon uh, because I am going later today after we record this to do a shamanic journey Mm. um i so i'm i'm a professor of religion it's one of my jobs and i am teaching a class this semester called can religion heal us um it's about like the religious and spiritual aspects of alternative health practices uh so i was doing this I wanted to do a unit in the course on indigenous medicine and I asked around and like met this um this medicine man from the the Taino people who are uh the natives of the Caribbean. And so we just kinda hit it off and we've been doing a lot of stuff to, I've gone to a couple of his um like ceremonies that he does. They do a full moon ceremony every month and um he came and spoke at my class and, and all that kind of stuff. So I just asked him about doing this shamanic journey, uh, that I read about on his website and you, uh, so you fast for 24 hours and then, um, 
and then I'm gonna go later this afternoon to his studio, and he he'll drum a certain like rhythm rhythms that are supposed to sort of induce a kind of trance like state, um, and help you to have visions mm. <laughs> of whatever. Mm. Um, so anyway, I I thought about that like. <clears throat> So yesterday was, as we're recording this, yesterday was Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was fasting on Ash Wednesday, which I have never done as a Christian practice. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, I grew up in this kind of fundamentalist Baptist world where we talked about fasting a good bit, but it was like you would fast. I never could, I never could get my head around it. It was like you were supposed to fast to remind you to pray it was like if if you had something really serious you wanted to pray about you would fast and like when you felt hungry it would be like a reminder to pray and i was like i don't know i could tie a string around my finger and that sounds less (laughs) invasive (laughs) um so i just never did i never fasted my whole even though i was like a super serious um fundamentalist christian i just never did it never could bring myself to do it and then really yeah and then you know, I've spent most of my adult life in like these kind of mainline Protestant spaces where uh, fasting is really done only as a Lenten discipline, and it is a discipline, and like, and it's it's kind of I don't know I don't want to be flippant about it because it is meaningful to some people, but mostly it's like I'm going to give up chocolate for the month of March or whatever. <laughs> it's like okay. I mean, I can do that, and I've done, I've a couple of times done stuff like that, but I I quit a long time ago because I was like, you know what, I don't care about discipline. There's nothing interesting about discipline to me at all, <laughs> um, other than, well, it, there's no goal that I want to pursue here, right? I'm very disciplined mm-hmm. in certain aspects of my life where I'm trying to get something done, but like, I don't you know. You have a PhD. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Right. Like, there's no... Um, I don't know. I didn't find the pursuit, whatever the pursuit was supposed to be in those kind of Christian spaces. Um, like not worthwhile to me. And so I just never did it. It's interesting to me that, I mean, I've fasted like crazy. We did it all the time. Yeah. I've done, um, I've done 21 days, uh, of just liquid. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, I did 40 days. That time that I did 21 days of just liquid, I did the final 19 of like just fruits and veggies or something like that. After it, um, I did a week multiple times in life. Like it was a huge part of, and I came from a more like Pentecostal charismatic background Yeah. than you. Um, still very evangelical, still very fundamentalist Appalachian Christian. Um, but fasting was a major discipline that I, I haven't done it for a few years now. Um, but I, I found a lot of value in it. Like I really did actually truly enjoy the, the practice. I felt the same way about, like you said something about the, um, I'm going to fast chocolate or like, uh, I remember one time in youth ministry, we would always like, they would always do these Lenten fasts. Um, in youth group, like the whole, the church is a, at large did not do that. We were evangelicals, not mainline Protestants, so they didn't. But sometimes the youth pastors would be like, all right, the kids are going to fast for Lent. And I remember one kid one year came up and he was like, okay, uh, okay, pastor, I'm going to, pa- I'm going to fast cigarettes and sex with my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. For forty days, no cigarettes <laughs> and no sex with my girlfriend. That's fa- that's a sacrifice right there. <laughs> that's a real sacrifice, <laughs> especially for his girlfriend. She's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like I don't know. There's something. It it just struck me as really interesting yesterday because it was Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, right? Um, it's what I assumed you were talking about whenever you said you were fasting. Yeah, right. I mean, you, that's what you would I think. Assumed. But yeah. I just, I have no use for that, for whatever, at least the Christian practice as it has been told to me. Um, Like, I just, the disciplined thing and like, tr- for me, 
so much of the the morning of my life was about trying to be a really good like that's the container I was building was being a professional Christian. Um, and I mean that like professionally, it was my job It's still like, it's my job to work in churches and to teach theology and, and all that stuff. Like, and I was building this image and like, I didn't, I, I rebelled against the idea of, of the discipline of it because it was like, it was, it was work. There was no joy in it. I was just trying to build this container. And then like, but now somebody says, <clears throat> You know, it just happened to fall on Ash Wednesday, but the, um, like, hey, do you want to, like, do you want to go see some trippy visions? Hell yeah. What do I need to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, to me, the afternoon of my life is, is marked by this kind of, like, just ecstatic joy and wonder at, at mm. like, what's out there to experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, yeah, like, if that means that I'm going to sing some songs or I'm going to fast or I'm going to do whatever these things are that, that I used to kind of rebel against. Like I'm there for it because. Well, it's a really different proposition, isn't it? I mean, like if, if in the, in the morning of our lives, we're like sort of presented with these, these ideas a lot where we say, Hey, do this discipline, religious practice thing. And a, like God will be less mad at you or B, Maybe God will do something special for you in your life. Like, see, maybe you'll be able to make a really important decision better, whatever. And then in the afternoon, you start asking, like, I need a better value proposition than that. Yeah. Like, if I'm if I'm going to engage in some kind of religious practice, I want to see something I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. I want to feel something mm-hmm. I haven't felt. And I think these are the these are the sort of that's the promise. That's the sales pitch that gets my attention now if someone says do this and you'll experience life in a way you haven't yet mm-hmm. and that that's interesting yeah that that gets me yeah Megan are you a faster well it's interesting because my dad for years used to fast once a week so 24 hours mm-hmm. every week he would take a day to do that um no I am not a faster. Uh, I've always wanted to go to a Vipassana meditation retreat, which is a 10-day process of really all you do is Vipassana meditation for 10 days. But I found out that they serve breakfast and lunch, and they have lunch at noon, and then after that, you don't eat until breakfast. So that's the reason I haven't gone to the Vipassana <laughs> oh, yeah. meditation retreat. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but maybe Joe will inspire me. So, yeah, it will be interesting to hear about your experience. And I'm like you, Joe. For me, what I felt like for years is that my life was already so disciplined that there was only so much I wanted to add that felt like discipline. Like I I wanted to do spiritual practices that just felt really authentic and true. And there was meaning for me behind it, not just I'm going to do this just so I can say that I do this and I'm checking it off the list. Because uh, my life already felt like there was plenty of that, just daily life and working and living. Right. Yeah, I, and and I felt very. I I mean, I guess however I'm wired, I have, I got plenty of dopamine hits from checking those kinds of religious things off the list. Like I actually enjoyed being able to, not necessarily brag about it, but just personally to know. Yeah, I did the thing though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, there was something that I, I don't find any, like it's kind of icky to even think that that was something that actually brought me some kind of, I don't know, fulfillment. Um, but it did. And and that being said, I also like I'm I'm a proponent still. I, it's been a few years since I have engaged in a fast, but even just talking about it here has got my wheels turning again, and I'm thinking like, why haven't I though? Because Every time I did one of those, I actually felt really, really connected to spirit and mm. really clear-headed. And I, I came out of every fast with, with the best things that even that evangelical or charismatic or Pentecostal people 
would promise that you would get if you fasted. I would say my experience, even as a as a 36-year-old skeptic to most of those things, I would say I got what I was promised uh, when I did that, when I engaged it earnestly. Um, and uh, And I haven't for a long time, but but I'm open to it again. I think it would be interesting to do now. I think it would be interesting yeah. with a sort of a, a renewed belief system. And a lot of stuff is still intact, but a lot of stuff isn't to engage in something like that without without some of the baggage of like, you know, Jesus did say when you fast, <laughs> you know, and then gave these instructions. And that was but all I was really interested in, he was like, he said, when you fast, so he's assuming you're fasting, like you're, if you're following him, you're fasting. So this is a, this is a box I do have to check to call myself a believer in Jesus. Now that I don't feel the pressure to prove that all the time to myself or anybody else, I think it would be interesting to, to engage another fast and say, I'm here for something else. I'm here to connect with the divine at a deep level. Um, I don't feel like like God likes me more if I do. That would be a that would be a weird thing to do. Well, yeah, I mean <laughs> to, that's to me that was the okay. whole thing. Like I, I'm interested to hear you even say like I got what I was promised cuz I don't ever remember not and I don't just mean fasting. Like I mean every every religious or spiritual practice I ever had in my li- in the morning of my life um was it was about like if you if you have your quiet time every morning right if you read your bible and you pray every morning and if you fast and if you pray and if you go to like go to these worship services and raise your hands um then god will be pleased with you that's yeah to me everything was about if you do this right god will be pleased with you and there was no there was no promise on the other end. It wasn't like you're not supposed to get anything out of this. It's just God yeah. will be pleased. And like I, I believed that and I wanted that, but I also couldn't make myself. Like I couldn't trick my. I knew that I was only doing the thing to make God pleased with me. It's not like I wanted yeah. to do it. This is like drinking sand to me, trying to read my Bible in the morning to make God pleased with me. That's um, interesting. And how is God going to be pleased with that? My heart's not right or whatever. Yeah. And like, so now I find myself coming back to, I don't, you know, I don't care if like, I, yeah. I assume if there is something like a God that she's happy with me, <laughs> um, who knows? Yeah. But like, and if God's not happy with us, then God is bad at making people. <laughs> like that's, that's God's fault. <laughs> I think God so I thinks know. you're awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's that's so interesting, Joe, because what I'm like what part of me is hearing there and I I want to be careful how I say this because I'm I'm like I feel like I'm sitting in a I'm I'm sitting cognitively in a place here that is not totally true to where I am, but I'm just trying to play a play a different side of it, but it it sounds like you got because I heard some of the same things that you're saying too, like, you know, God will be pleased if you do this. However, I was also, along with the other words that I put in front of my evangelicalism, you know, charismatic, Pentecostal, Appalachian, whatever, also heavily prosperity centric. Mm-hmm. And whenever that element, like, that's an element now that used to be, like, used as a bad word, even though that's what we were doing a lot. Um, but now I look back and I say some elements of the prosperity gospel stuff might be the things that saved me the most, like that, that kept me interested the most. This idea that, I mean, it's kind of the same thing that we're, like I was just saying, you're promised something on the other side of your discipline. Like you do this and you get this. Like, okay, that sounds really ugly when the thing you're being promised is a jet plane for yourself or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But on the other end, it's kind of like if the thing you're promised is to see visions of things you've never seen before. Like, well, in essence, that is still a quid pro quo cause and effect relationship with spirit. It's like engage in this way and spirit will engage back in that way. And that's something that I something about that 
clicks for me still. I, I still have, that's the proposition I still am like open to. Hmm. Like you're saying, if I do this, I will get that. Well, that's, that is prosperity gospel. That is essentially what Joel Osteen is saying <laughs> very often. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like, that's why he's so popular. Cause he's kind of saying, here's the thing on the other side of the thing that we're asking you to do. <laughs> when I've had experiences, particularly in the afternoon of my life, like, well, on the one hand, I I try to do like I try to do a lot of things that make me open to them, and I still am not a disciplined person. Like I don't, I'm not a person who ever I don't get up and meditate every morning, right? I in fact I rarely meditate, um, and I never pray, uh, except when I have to out loud for <laughs> my job. Um, <laughs> but like. Yeah, I mean, I have a subscription to a sensory deprivation tank, and I go on shamanic journeys, and I like will go on retreats and silent silent retreats and stuff like this. Like, I I try to be open to all these kinds of experiences all the time, right? But I also think that like I don't know. It's it's you can be prepared, you can be open to to something. Um, but it's, it doesn't feel like quite quid pro quo, right? It doesn't feel like, mm. um, okay, I'm going to go on this, I'm going to do this fast and I'm going to go listen to this guy drum at the right frequency and like, boom, something's going to happen. You know, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen this afternoon. Um, and I also have no idea when I'm going to be just struck by, um, a, a vision or an insight that I never like that. I wasn't trying to, to find that I just wake up in the morning and it's like, bam, you know? So like, there's a sense of, I think part of the afternoon of life for me is a sense of like, well, what can I open myself up to mm-hmm. in the world? Um, and what can I prepare for? But also there's a sense of gift, like just completely un, um, there's a sense that that these things are unprepared for and un um, unimagined. I don't know. Yeah, I really relate to that because there's some discomfort in moving into the afternoon of our lives. At least there was for me because the morning of my life, everything was really clear. My path was really clear. I knew what my goals were. I knew what I was moving towards. And once I stepped into the afternoon, there was a lot more uncertainty, a lot more mystery. Um, I mean, you would think it would become more clear, but in a way, it it just it becomes blurry in a sense. And we're just stepping into the unknown. Um, and yet, eventually, that feels really safe and comfortable. And it's it's almost hard to believe for me that I ever lived any other way. What's what helping you? with that? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. It's funny that we, it's funny that Joe and I are having essentially the same question. I think. Like, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Well, what's helping you be okay there? I guess. With the unknown, Joe. If you had a clearer way of asking that question, no, that please sounds do. good. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so there is this sense it, by being in the afternoon of my life. It's helped me to connect to, I don't know, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Some people call it a higher power. I call it my wise self, um, intuition, whatever it is. We, we become more connected to that deeper self. And at some point, and I, I don't, I can remember the moment that this happened. I was sitting at my dining room table. I'd had this chronic health issue that I mentioned last time. Um, for years and it had gotten really really bad in the last few years and I had tried all these things all these physical things to make it better and nothing was helping so I just had this message of quit worrying about the physical and just focus on the spiritual so I just started focusing on my spiritual journey and somewhere in that experience of just really focusing on that connection to deeper self 
I had this moment where I was sitting at my dining room table. My health was still terrible. There was nothing. It was not better. Um, but I had this, this feeling in my head of I'm not scared of life anymore. And I didn't even know how scared I was of life all the time until I had that moment where I realized like, oh, shit, like, I'm not scared of life anymore. Like, I I really know I'm going to be okay. Like, it is all part of it. It's like the Richard War book that's called Everything Belongs. Like, it all belongs. Like, this is all part of my journey. And even the parts I hate, you know, even the parts that just are just feel terrible are part of the journey. And since that moment, I've just, it's, it just feels okay to be wherever I am, even when it doesn't feel okay, if that makes sense. I've, uh, I participated in a, uh, a worship experience on a Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago. I I do every, every Sunday I play worship music at an evangelical church that is very similar to the churches I've been in for my entire life. Um and uh and I like them and I respect them there and I have a, a really good relationship with the pastor. And uh it's been kind of a I've been doing it for a year now. It was supposed to be a a short-lived thing. I th- I thought I was just sort of filling in and then a year passed and I'm like, I think I'm close to these people now. Like <laughs> I think I might I think I might actually go to church here. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I just kind of like did a contracted work thing for a while that I was pretty flippant about early on. I was just like, yeah, I'll I'll work here like I work at a bar and then you know, time passes and you start feeling really different about it. And I feel really comfortable in that space. For some reason, I, I have inhibitions and some problems and some things that kind of rub me the wrong way quite a bit. But you know, also at Thanksgiving, um, so it's just something I'm I'm reconciling with. But a couple of weeks ago, I actually went and um, did some worship music in a church that is probably a little more aligned with my theology at this point in my life. I'll just say that much. Like that's probably the easiest way of putting it. Um, and uh, the pastor there is a very close friend of mine. He has been for years, and um, we've just been super honest with each other through everything. And uh, and they they wanted me there on that particular Sunday because they wanted to um, work in some less traditional church music, and they wanted to do like, in particular, they wanted to do the song "It's All Right" uh, by the Impressions which is like, it was on the, the Soul soundtrack, if you saw the, the cartoon movie Soul, that it's yeah. all right, have a good time, because it's all right. And it was like this thing where I was like, uh, yeah, that sounds adorable, right? <laughs> <laughs> like my, my reaction was, that'll be cute, let's do it. I love, I play that song at a lot of gigs. I mean, it, it really, um, but they were like, no, we're going to do it in a spiritual space. We're going to do it, this is a spiritual song and I had never, it had never occurred to me that way. And then I'm standing in a room with like, you know, a hundred people or whatever. And we start playing this and we start singing this song and they put words on the screen and everybody's singing together. It's all right. Have a good time. Cause it's all right. Like in a Christian church gathering. And I had this super bizarre, like I'm, to be totally honest, I'm a little uncomfortable with it because it seemed very contrary to what, uh, you know, some some part of me says this is absolutely true. This is absolutely like what I've always thought. This is, you know, this is Jesus's words. Worry not about tomorrow for tomorrow. Will worry about its own things like, it, you know, look at the lilies of the field like and on another level, it's like, but pragmatically, that's not been my faith situation so hearing you talk just now Megan about this like this sort of divine moment in life of I almost wonder if I had that a little bit communally mm-hmm. a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago whereas I've had it individually for a while I mean for 10 or 12 years I haven't worried too much about you know what happens after I die or whether I'll make 
something incredible out of my life. Like I, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if it's like not caring anymore or like I but I have things to do today so I can't think about like I don't I don't know but having that moment communally and then also having a moment where I was like it it sort of clarified too from like getting to do music in that setting was was a moment where I was like I love this I would love to do this more but also I do feel more comfortable in the other space for whatever reason I do feel more better equipped for that like I understand what they're doing in the evangelical space better than what they're doing here. Mm. Um, but it, it honestly, it made me want to take that to the evangelical space. It made me want to take that feeling and that moment of like, I wonder if there's a lot of people in evangelicalism, people that I love and people that I'm close with who don't feel like it's all right. Have a good time. Cause it's all right. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, anyways, that was a ranty, ranty thing that uh, that you triggered for me, Megan. But yeah, I mean, I think that's how a lot of people in our culture feel is that it's not all right, and we're not here to have a good time, right? It's um, every things feel so heavy and scary, and um, there was something about that moment where it was even if my health never improved, even if I ended up out on the streets. I mean, I'm not trying to minimize what people go through. But there was something that just, it felt freeing to know that there's something there. There's some divine energy there, no matter what I'm experiencing. Well, and it's also like, you know, we talked a little bit about the crash into <laughs> into the afternoon mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. Um, the It's all right, I think, comes a little bit after that. Like, sure. um. You know, I, I was talking about all of my spiritual practice at one time in my life was always about what can I do to make God pleased with me? Like, what can I do to prove to God and to myself and to everybody around me that I'm a good person, that I'm a holy person, that I'm a righteous kind of person? And, like, part of that for me was that crashed. Like, the house of cards fell down. I, you know like went through this divorce and had this kind of public breakdown of my faith. And like, it was clear to, to myself and to everybody around me, like whatever you're supposed to do to be pleasing God, I'm not doing it like that already, that already fell through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, if you're what, I don't know, lucky or, or open or, given this (laughs) divine insight or whatever that like that deep on the other side of the crash it's all right have a good time (laughs) like there is something um you know i don't i always i don't know what to say about god because i don't know what i think i don't know if i believe in god or something like god god believes in you but (laughs) But I think she thinks it's all right. Like, I don't know. I don't know if God exists, but um, I think it's all right. And and that's like. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that it's not it's not because everything is all right. Right. It's it's because there's something because you you come to a realization that's part of what the afternoon of life is about i think is coming to this realization that um there's a stillness that's deep deeper than like the storms that are raging up here Mm. in your life Hmm. yes um i want to i don't think this is like jumping ship too much i just feel like this is the right moment for me to talk about something that happened to me yesterday um, because I don't want to get too far from the experience without talking about it and I uh, I was a friend of mine reached out and just well he's not a friend I I don't know him that well we've just kind of crossed paths a couple of times and um, knew that I was a pastor at one point and uh and then knew that I did some mental health work and asked if, if they could talk with me. And 
you know, so I, I was like, sure, I, I don't, you know, I was, I was super clear. I was like, I'm not licensed as a pastor, so I'm not in that position. And I, and I also am not sure I can come from that framework super effectively. Like I understand that framework, uh, but it's not necessarily mine. I, I, I don't, I'm not a pastoral counselor. Um, and then I said, and also I'm in graduate school to become licensed the other way. So I'm not, I'll meet with you as a friend. Um, <laughs> Or a coach. You could call me a coach if you want. <laughs> I think I'm. Allowed. I think legally I can call myself that. Um, and we had this conversation, and he he has kind of a an arm's length relationship with church and God, and um, but he's he's open to it, and just going through some really difficult life transition stuff, afternoon of life stuff, you know, just kind of hitting a hitting a place in life where he's looking around and saying, I don't exactly know how I got here. But I don't, it's been a long time since I felt super fulfilled or happy or or clear on what I'm even doing. Um, and we had this conversation and it, you know, it, it led me down this path of like talking to him a little bit like a pastor, which I haven't done in a really long time. It was just, it seemed to fit, again, you know, he knew I was a pastor, so he wanted to talk to me. So that's the direction it took. You know, he, he did, he did want to he did want to talk about God he did want to talk about Jesus some kind of role in all of this and it's the first time that I've had on this side of my crash um and I say that there are some things that I've felt pretty all right about for 12 years and then there's some other things that I've only felt all right about for about a year or six months even um you know that some of the really really big stuff I felt like resolved a long time ago and a lot of other things have been resolving or at least you know the the tension to resolve them is is dissipating more recently but i had this you know this thing where i found myself encouraging him with some of the words you were just saying joe and some of what you were saying megan like found myself saying no god loves you like <laughs> Words I hadn't heard come out of my mouth in two or three years. Like, God is fine with you. And I got in my car after this meeting, and I've had so many weird experiences with this. Like, this was my whole life. This is the only thing I ever thought I would do, this pastoring thing. And then I just sort of left it and decided I wasn't going to anymore and I don't feel differently about that now I feel really good about that um but I think somewhere in the process I also gave up hope on something like was just said okay fine you can have it I don't need it anymore that yesterday felt like a bit of a reclamation mm -hmm. like a little bit of a moment where I stepped back in and said uh no screw you guys <laughs> this is mine too it might even be more mine than yours if we really want to get down to the nitty-gritty of who Jesus of Nazareth is, and we're talking about being Christian, then I think I have every right to tell someone God loves you right where you are. And I got in my car, and I put on—this <laughs> is embarrassing. I'd, we can cut this part out, right? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I put on a worship song that was in my head that I knew— that I, I've never sang it before. It's not like one that we do regularly at this church. I'm probably going to do it soon. I haven't done it at this church because I'm like, I'm not sure if, how they would really feel about that. But then I had this like screw you moment <laughs> yesterday <laughs> where I was like, no, this is an evangelical worship team that sings this. This is what worship artists do. And the song is called Gyra. And it's by this like Maverick City group that if you're around evangelicalism or not, they're the they're the New Hill song. Everybody talks about them all the time. But the first words of the song are, I've never been more loved than I am right now. And it's kind of the the nature of the entire song to just sort of sit in this space of like, I'm not gonna do anything to please God more or upset God more. I'm not gonna be, you know, there there's not like the mm -hmm. stakes for being loved and accept, accepted and embraced by the universe, by God, whatever that means, by those, those are not resting on what decisions I make to change things in my life here and now. They're not yeah. resting on 
Like, I'm fine. It's all right. And I, I don't know. I had this. It felt very bizarre. It felt very foreign to me. And it wasn't emotional. I put on a song that, you know, would sound kind of emotional and probably would have made me weep in years past. And today it, you know, or yesterday it, it felt like an anthem. It felt mm-hmm. like, no, that's my thing. That's always been my thing. That's not not my thing anymore. Mm-hmm. That's still it. That still gives me peace. That helps me as a counselor. Like, I don't know if you know counseling terms. I mean, one of the things that gets talked about a lot, even in clinical settings, is unconditional positive regard. Yeah. It's like if you're mm-hmm. a good counselor in a lot of situations, sits across from someone and hears them say the most batshit, evil, awful things, and their reaction has to be, okay, okay, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about all that, but I accept it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm not leaving the room because you said that stuff. You still have my unconditional positive regard. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and that, to me that goes along with what we were talking about before about when we do have our faith shift or whatever it may be and everything gets knocked down it's but there are pieces there that are still really part of who we are so it's about finding those pieces that are true for us and that's been my experience with with the holy is it's steady it's unconditional yeah it's it's like that really good counselor Hey, this is James in Pittsburgh. Thanks for listening to Good Afternoon, an invitation into the contemplative life. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share this episode with a friend or on your social media. I made it through the morning before I fell apart without warning. I took a deep breath to collect myself. I'll have a good afternoon.